that's that's a that's a good one. We're gonna we're gonna talk a bit about that today. But before I do, uh, this morning um, I had a conversation with um, a woman, her, a young woman. Her name's Gabby, and she's been coming to our starting point classes on Wednesday. And if you came to the first service, or if if you ever uh, moonlight at the first service, Gabby sits right here in the very front row of the church and I was talking to her about it and and how funny it is that people show up early to concerts to try to get the front row seat but people show up early to church to sit at the back (laughs) so you don't have to sit in the front. I don't know what it is, you guys. It's really nice up here. Um, and, and so it, it, I want to encourage you as weeks go on, um, be like Gabby and, uh, and maybe, maybe sit in the front. We, we see you. But um, This last Wednesday, uh, Gabby and uh, 12 of us were here at the church uh, for our starting point class, which is going really great. And we asked the question to the group, we asked the question, are you a rule follower or are you a rule Breaker, Are you a person who kind of prefers the structure of rules that makes you uh, function better? Are you a person who likes to bend or even break the rules? And the consensus on Wednesday night in that group of people was that they were mostly rule breakers, which is a good thing that they're at the starting point class. We'll get them fixed up right. Me, I, I like rules. I'm a rule person. I like structure. Like when people butt in lines, like what is wrong with those people? There is a social contract that you go to the back of the line. But some people, they don't follow that rule. They go right to the front. Or people who um, uh, go through the checkout, the express checkout, the grocery store with more than 12 items. It's chaos to me. What is wrong with you people? You know, or or the other one, uh, I've lived by the rule that if you're not early, you're late, right? Like it, there's there's something about being on time, which is funny because when I said this in the first service, um, I got called out by uh, Lois Ann uh, Emberly. She invited me to the Christian school last week to um, give a devotion at their Wednesday morning um, assembly, and I showed up an hour late. I totally missed it. So, uh, and she, she did not, she interrupted the message this morning to make sure everybody knew that I was an hour late, that I'm not always a rule person. But because I, I like rules and structure, I, I don't speed. Um, I, I, I don't, um, in my car, I'm, I'm not a speeder. It's not something I do. I worked for 12 years responding in an ambulance to Highway 63. And so I learned pretty early on that I would rather arrive somewhere safe uh, than not arrive at all, which is why I was so embarrassed last summer when I was driving outside of Calgary with my family that I got pulled over for speeding. I broke the rules, you guys. I wasn't paying attention. And all I'm thinking in my head is I'm setting a bad example for my boys who are in the back. And uh, and, and th- this rule, it starts to bother me that I broke this rule. And the police officer comes to the window and I, I, I roll down the window. Before he can say anything, I was like, I know I was speeding. I'm sorry. I know better. And you've got to give me a ticket for it. And he just kind of like paused. I don't think he's used to people confessing. <laughs> so so quickly and openly but i just I, I said it a couple times i know better i know better i'm, I'm an idiot uh, he he didn't give me a ticket he gave me a warning that day but i i i, I asked the question what is it about us 
that we end up doing the things that we know are bad for us. You know, we know it's not good for us, but we do it anyways. This is, I, I don't want to pick on you, but it, 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 it's like cigarette smoking. I don't, I, I, it's one thing I, I don't get. I don't want to give you a hard time if you smoke, but it's right on the package in disgusting <laughs> images. They, you know, it, 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 it's going to kill you. It's going to make your teeth gross. It's, it's right there, but we do it anyways, right? We know it's bad for us, but we do it. And, and then on the, on the flip side, things that are good for you, we don't do. Guys, I sin every single time I go to the dentist. And my hygienist asks me if I floss. <laughs> I, I lie. I lie to her. Oh, yeah, I floss every day. Twice a day sometimes when I'm feeling in the mood. I know it's good for me, but I, I don't do it as often as I should. We do the things that we know are bad for us, and we also do the things, don't do the things that we know are good for us. And that's because often knowing something is bad is not enough for us to stop doing it. And likewise, knowing something is good for us often isn't enough to make us do it. Is it, am I alone? Is that something that you guys feel too? That's hard? Well, there is a guy. His name is uh, Paul. And he is, is this hero of the New Testament in the, in the Bible. And he wrote half the New Testament. And he is probably the reason why churches exist all over the world today like they do. He was uh, just this absolute powerhouse in the early church. And even Paul said this. I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I'd do it anyway. Knowledge isn't enough to get us to change our behavior. Knowledge often isn't enough for us to change the way that we act. When you hear us preach on a Sunday morning, me and Doug and anybody else who comes up on this stage, you should know it is not our goal for you to leave this place knowing more information. It's not our goal for you to leave this place having learned about Jesus, who He is and what He did in just a historical sense. It is our goal for you to leave this place different than when you got here. For you to change a little bit and become a little bit more like Jesus in the process. Our goal is not the transfer of knowledge. It's the transformation of your heart. For each one of us to become a little bit more like the God who created us. But like we talked about already, we kind of suck at that. We kind of suck at changing. Even when we know things, we don't change. We need help. We can't do the changing on our own. But the good thing is that God knows that. And He has a solution for us. And for the next eight weeks, we are going to look at the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. And it is an action-packed book of the Bible. Some I'm, I shouldn't say this. Some books of the Bible are really hard to read because they're boring. <laughs> I've 
Don't tell Doug I said that. Some of them are harder. Acts is not hard to read. It is action-packed. There are shipwrecks and there are prison breaks. There's a day where 5,000 people in one day decide to follow Jesus. There's lame people running and sick people being healed. There's the first martyr, Stephen, who gave his life for following Jesus. There are people miraculously preaching in languages that they've never spoken before or learned. It is an incredible action-packed roller coaster ride of a book but to me in all of those crazy things that happen in the book of acts there is a miracle that i think is the most important it's how much the people who follow jesus change to see this ragtag group of misfits and fishermen and tax collectors who knew nothing become men and women of God who powerfully advanced his kingdom in a time when it was scary to be a Jesus follower. They experienced a life-altering transformation, a change to who they were on the inside and on the outside. And that is what I want for us. That is what I want for you and for me. And that is what I want for this church. Not just to know that God has a purpose for us in our heads, but for us to realize that purpose in our everyday lives. So, what happened in this book of Acts that helped these men and women change so dramatically? The book of Acts was actually written by a guy named Luke. Uh, Luke was uh, the same guy who wrote the book of Luke, uh, and he wrote the book of Acts, and Acts picks up exactly where the book of Luke drops off. Um, At the end of the book of Luke... Jesus has uh, resurrected and uh, he is appearing to his followers and he's encouraging them, but it's kind of sporadically and there's this time of kind of confusion and chaos and nobody really knows what's going on and and it's still very dangerous to be a Jesus follower. Jesus had just been killed and and the the Romans who are in charge and and even the, the religious elite, they want to squash this Jesus following. And so it's a dangerous, precarious time for the people who were following Jesus in this period after his death. And so there's these 40 days go by after the death of Jesus, where Jesus is kind of in and out and helping them and encouraging them. And on the 40th day, Jesus appears to this group of Jesus followers. And he tells them something very distressing. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples didn't have a, they did not understand what Jesus was saying here. It went right over their heads. But Jesus, when, when are we going to overthrow the Romans? When are you going to take the throne? When are we going to be free from this oppression that we experience? When are we going to war? This is what they're thinking. When are we going to solve this real world problem? What are we going to do about it? And Jesus said to them, he said, It's not for you to know of times or dates the Father has set out by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he said this, and then right there before their eyes, he disappeared. And he ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of his father. Elvis left the building. And suddenly... 
They were very, very alone. This could not have been a good feeling. I, I, I need us to sense how precarious these moments are for these people. They could not have felt good about having to wait. And now that Jesus is gone for what feels like for good, he, he left us. It's just us. Loneliness can be incredibly debilitating. And for many of us here in this room today, it can feel like God has left the building. It can feel like God has left you on your own, that He has ascended into the sky and left you to fend for yourself all on your own, to wait alone. One of the loneliest moments in my life uh, was on the first day of the Horse River Fire here in Fort McMurray. I, I, I grew up in Fort McMurray. This place is my home. It has given me every good thing that I have in my life. And on that day, um, this city emptied. You know, everyone was running uh, from a, an incredible force of destruction. And my family had to evacuate on their own, my wife and two boys. And uh, that was scary for them, like I, I know it was for many of you and I had to stay here with my crew and we had to fight the fire and that day was uh, failure after failure after failure after failure we just couldn't do it we couldn't succeed and it was a long day and after 19 hours um, I finally found myself laid down on the concrete floor of the fire hall trying to catch my breath, trying to catch a break, have some rest before we go out and do it again. And I was spiraling. I was, all I could hear in my uh, head were sirens and, and I, was, uh, I was emotionally felt so alone and, and the city I loved was, was going through this. And, and my phone, which had been dead for most of the day, I just plugged it in, came to light and it started buzzing 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 and it didn't stop and I picked up my phone and I looked and I had message after message after message of people from this church messaging me to tell me that they're praying for me to tell me that I wasn't alone to tell me the codes to their house so that I can go and use their house and sleep in a real bed and eat real food out of their fridges and and, and, and codes to their houses eventually so that I could get into their beer fridges and their cigar <laughs> humidors you guys you guys, in that moment, I was so very alone, but I was not alone. I was not alone. And I want to encourage you that sometimes you may feel alone. You may feel abandoned by God, and you may not understand that silence and that waiting, and, and you just need to know that Jesus is there. That Jesus is there in the waiting. That He is there in the silence. That He has not left you. Keep listening. Keep fighting. Keep waiting. And then so these Jesus followers, they see Him ascend into the sky. And He's gone. And He told them to wait, and so they waited. And ten days later, Luke tells us that they had all gathered in a place together. And they had been waiting and waiting and wondering and wondering and, and not knowing what was going to happen. And suddenly, out of nowhere, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The wait was over, and with the power and clarity that only God has, they were reminded that they were not alone. The Holy Spirit had entered the room, and God's presence, which was once reserved for holy, sacred places hidden behind curtains, became real and intimate to each person who was in that room that day. Everyone around heard this commotion. It was chaos. It was crazy. And so a crowd began to gather. And these Jesus followers who had just met the Holy Spirit for the very first time, they spilled into the streets and they began with boldness and courage to preach the love of God to anybody who would listen. And, and this part is crazy. You, you don't have to believe it if, if, if it's too hard for you to believe. But Luke wrote it down and they were eyewitnesses. They're just telling us what they saw. These people who had just met the Holy Spirit were preaching to the people in languages they did not know. Everyone there, this was a melting pot, a, a mosaic community of many languages and many cultures. And they were all hearing the love of God preached in their own language. It's kind of a message that the love of God is for, for everyone, isn't it? And then Peter stepped forward. Peter, one of the original disciples, Peter the Apostle, he stepped forward and the other 11 apostles stepped forward with him and he preached one of the most powerful sermons that has ever been preached. He said Jesus lived and he was the son of God and he lived and you killed him. He was, these were really the people. He was talking to the people who killed him, the people who betrayed him. He said you killed him. But I've seen him. He's alive. Say your story. And that day, 3,000 people decided to follow Jesus. That day, 3,000 people were baptized. And a move of the Holy Spirit started a movement that became the church. And what we're a part of thousands of years later. So what happened when the Holy Spirit filled them? Did they become possessed? Did the Holy Spirit take over them? Did, were, was, was it out of their control? No. I don't think so. I think the Spirit of God came upon them and convinced them of the truth that was already in their hearts. Transformed their hearts and minds and helped them to act on something that they already believed and knew. He turned their knowledge into power the truth and their hearts into their actions you know speaking in other languages is an obvious miracle right it's this it's very in your face miracle but there is something powerful happening under the surface here that i think is even more amazing yes peter is a bit of a mess all right, he is—he uh, was not a preacher. He was not a person who had any kind of helpful education. He was a fisherman, a, 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 a simple fisherman. He could not read, and he could not write. 
Um, he, uh, if you follow his stories throughout the gospel accounts, um, Peter uh, was not a shining, courageous hero. In fact, he almost never understood what Jesus was trying to teach him. Over and over again, he has to ask for clarification, and he misses the point. Um, Jesus once had to rescue Peter from drowning. Uh, Jesus had to rebuke him uh, when Peter tried to stop little children from coming to him. Jesus had to tell him to stop. Um, even once, uh, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine if Jesus called you Satan? You know, and then there's this really crazy story that is really interesting. You should read it. But uh, Elijah and Moses actually appear on this hill to Jesus. And this, this really sacred, holy moment is happening. And Peter interrupts it. And is just like, hey, should I build a tent? <laughs> and that's not it, guys. There's more. He was a mess. When Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, Peter was the one who kind of ruined the moment. It was like, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And then later, when the mob comes to arrest Jesus, Peter pulls out his knife and cuts somebody's ear off. Because that's, re- that's helpful, right? <laughs> and then hours after that, Peter is scared into denying that he even knew Christ, knew Jesus. He's scared away by a little girl. And he denies, even knowing Jesus. And then the next day, Jesus goes to the cross. And Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's looking out for faces of support. And Peter is nowhere to be found. Peter was a mess. Not the sort of guy who starts a movement. Not the sort of person who leads a revolution. And even at the beginning of today's story, Peter is hiding and waiting. And then the Holy Spirit happens. Like a rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit changed Peter from the inside out. This mess of a man became a mountain of a man. Boldly declaring the truth about Jesus. Courageously preaching the word. And this man who once denied even knowing Jesus led 3,000 people to make a decision to be baptized in his name. Over the next few weeks, we're going to go through this book of Acts and we're going to see these stories, the acts of the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit did and how he empowered Peter and the early Jesus followers to do some miraculous things. Things that are so miraculous, they are hard to even believe. But I am convinced that the most miraculous part of this story is how the power of the Holy Spirit was able to transform the likes of Peter into something that he never could have done. Into somebody he never could have been without that power of the Holy Spirit. They were transformed on the inside to live like Jesus to love like Jesus, to pray like Jesus, and to have faith like Him. That is the miracle and the work of the Holy Spirit in this story. And the Holy Spirit is not some cosmic universal force that gives Christians miraculous powers. It's a little part of it. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to help guide each one of us and lead us into the transformation from who we are into who God created us to be. And we can't do that on our own. The power to change comes 
from the power of meeting and knowing the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. He changed Peter. And he changed those early church followers in one encounter. And he can do the same for us. I remember my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. I was in grade 5. And uh, uh, I was a bit of a mess myself. Um, I had was become overcome with anxiety. It was debilitating. Uh, I couldn't go to my friends' houses. I wasn't allowed to go on sleepovers. Uh, I kind of became... I, 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 school was a mess. I was crying every day at school and making a scene at school every day. I was overcome with debilitating anxiety uh, at, at a young age. And, and, and it was terrible. And it went on for months and months. And um, at that time, our church, this church hired a new pastor. His name was Daryl Carlsa. And uh, Daryl had a couple of kids, and I became quick friends with his son, Kenton. And, uh, and Kenton invited me over for a sleepover, and my parents had to talk to his parents and say, I'm sorry, he can't. He, he's got this condition, and, it's, and things are really hard right now around our house, and, and, uh, and it's not going to work. And Daryl and Lene, Kenton's parents, uh, they said, well, why don't we try it? If something happens, we'll bring them home. It, you know, we'll give it a go. And so I went over for a sleepover. And um, before bed, uh, Daryl and Lene brought me into their room. And they put their hands on my shoulders. And they prayed that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. They prayed that the Holy Spirit would wash all of my anxiety away. They prayed that the Holy Spirit would heal me. And in that moment, my little grade five mind, I met God. And He healed me. And I have never experienced that sort of anxiety ever again. Paul described what happens when you meet the Holy Spirit. He said, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. When you meet the Spirit of Jesus, He changes you. He heals you. He frees you. He restores you. He exchanges your fear for courage. He exchanges your doubt for His faith. He exchanges your chains for His freedom, your hurt for His wholeness, your death for His life. And like in Peter's case, the Holy Spirit was doing a changing work in my little body and mind. Changing me more and more, transforming me more and more into who God created me to be. That's why we do this thing called baptism. We talk about it a lot. You guys see the videos and you're here when it happens. It's this beautiful practice that God has given the church. Uh, it, it, it helps us to paint a picture of on the outside what God is doing to each one of us on the inside. That we go down into this water and we leave our old self down there. And when we come out, we come out overflowing with the fullness of what it means to follow God. It's this picture of leaving the old and embracing the new, of becoming who God created us to be. And you guys, I got to tell you, if you're here on a baptism Sunday, sit in the splash zone. Because when you sit close enough, 
to see the see in the eyes of these people who are making the decision to be baptized. When I stand in the water with them and I look at their eyes when they come out of the water, I see the face of God. It's incredible to see a life transformed by the Holy Spirit and to be right there close enough to see it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to close with a worship song this morning. And uh, you guys may have noticed something about our worship team here. Uh, first, that they are very talented. Uh, these guys are incredible. We, we're blessed as a church to have people like Mark and Steph to lead us in worship and to do it with passion and talent. Um, but the second thing you may have noticed about them is, even as I come up here now, they, they have headphones in their ears. And you may notice, uh, you may notice that about them. Uh, we call them in-ear monitors. And it's so they can hear themselves. Because you guys can hear them. When, when we're out in the room, we can hear them because we have these speakers pointed right at us. But they stand behind the speakers. And so to play together, to hear themselves and to hear each other, we give them headphones so they can hear what's happening. And you probably don't know this, but um, quite often our tech team, the guys and girls at the back who run everything that you see in here, um, have a microphone where they can talk directly into the in-ear monitors of the people who are leading worship here. So they'll say things like, okay, there's you know 30 seconds left in this video, get ready to play, and we are the only ones who hear it up here. They'll say things like, uh, uh, you, the stage is live, your instruments are on. Uh, occasionally, uh, they'll have to say things like, Lucas, your fly is down. <laughs> and, and I'm very thankful that I'm the only one who hears that, and, uh, and so I can discreetly fix that problem. But it's this still, quiet voice that only we can hear. And sometimes that is the way the Holy Spirit begins to talk to each one of us. With a feeling or an idea, a word that only we can hear. And this morning, we're going to take a moment together, a a quiet moment. And the band is going to play a song for us and... And we're gonna we're gonna sit and we're gonna listen and we're gonna maybe sing along, but I want us to take this time, this opportunity, this moment to ask God a couple of questions. Because we can do that. We can ask God questions and He can answer us. And the first question I want you to ask is 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 a really simple one this morning. If you're not baptized, I'd like you to ask God if He wants you to be baptized. If that's a decision that He wants for you. And the second question I want you to ask him this morning is, are you ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit? For the Spirit of God to wash over you in a way you've never experienced before, and to begin transforming you and changing you into who you were born to be. For him to reach out to you, to take your hand. For him to change you in ways you never thought possible. And if you are ready for that, if the answer is yes, then ask Him to fill you. The Holy Spirit is the person who helps us to go from just knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to go from just knowing what to do to actually doing it. And this Holy Spirit is the one who helps us go 
from just being who we could be all by ourselves on our own to discovering who we can be with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's take a minute to pray together. Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for these people, for each one here today, that we can come to this place and we can worship you with music and singing. We can look at these stories, these stories of guys like Peter, who was a total mess, but not too messy for you. And we can look at that story and we can realize that not a single one of us is beyond your reach. Jesus, I invite you this morning to begin a transforming work in each one of us. That we would not leave this place today the same way that we came. That we would leave this place living and loving a little bit more like you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to us. Jesus, I invite you to speak to us this morning. Pray this in your holy name.